So I have a question for you. What do normal people like us who have to work hard to optimize every aspect of their life? I'm talking fitness, nutrition, mindset, and business. What do we need to do to be better and to make the most out of our time to be alive? That, my friends, is the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. My name is Cody Smith, and this is the Create Yourself Podcast. All right, you guys, and welcome back to the show today. Today was an absolute honor. I got to interview my man, James Fitzgerald from uh, OPEX. He is a OG in the CrossFit space. He literally won the first ever CrossFit Games. And it, it was super cool to be on a podcast with him today and to just get him get to ask him questions. It's, uh, it's actually pretty funny because a few months ago I got interviewed on uh, Cody McBroom's podcast and there's like this personality question at the end where he asks you like, you know, there's two people that you can, you know, get to sit next to you on an airplane on a really long flight. Who are those people? And, it, and I said James because James is uh, his he has such a unique perspective towards like fitness and program design and, and how to coach people. And, it, and it, he always has this like very matter of factly like way of speaking. But you just want to kind of get on board with everything that he says. And I was like, I, you know, I want to sit next to him and I want to ask him a bunch of questions and he can't call me stupid and he can't run away from me. <laughs> so essentially, this is a, a recording of that conversation actually happening. So uh, again, it was an absolute honor to have him on. We jumped into all things fitness related, program design, coaching, some 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 faux pas inside of the fitness space that uh, him and I are definitely aligned on. And at the end of the day, it was just a great conversation. And I'm, you know, just super humbled to have him on the show today. So do me a favor before we jump into the show. As always, the goal is to spread this message and to spread this word that we are speaking about here. So the way that you can do that is to go ahead and take a screenshot on your phone and then post it on your Instagram story and tag both him and I. I am at Coach Cody Smith and you can find James at Opex. Again, take that screenshot, post it on your story, tag us both, let us know what you got from the show, and then uh, without any further ado, I'm going to go ahead and get him on here. Go ahead and pull out a notepad, and then enjoy yourself. We'll see you on the next show. All right, and welcome back to the Create Yourself Podcast, everybody. Today is an absolute honor. I get to uh, interview pretty much a virtual mentor of mine uh, named uh, James Fitzgerald. Um, It's funny that he's actually on the show because, uh, and James, I'm not sure if I told you this, but um, I was on uh, Cody McBroom's podcast. He interviewed me and he asked me like, you know, what are two people that I would like to like sit next to me on, you know, his like airplane question that him and Robbie had. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, uh, I want Craig Ballantyne, who was actually my first business mentor and then James. And I want to ask him all the stupid things that I want to ask him. And he actually can't get off the plane because he stuck with me. And uh, Cody <laughs> laughed and I was like, you know what? I think I'm just going to reach out to him and see if he'll come on the show. So uh, oh, cool. man. thanks for having you on. Thanks for coming on. Well, today. thanks for doing that. And uh, it was nice to chat with him. And the virtual mentor is an interesting uh, terminology I've never heard before. So that's a good one. Yeah, I, yeah. I kind of like that because I have a keen interest in artificial intelligence. So <laughs> kind of fits the role. Eventually, yeah, cool. I, eventually, I just want to upload myself to the internet and educate people that way. So maybe well, that's awesome. starting. Uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, I actually stole that concept from, like I said, uh, Craig, he actually said that he has like a bunch of virtual mentors and I'm like, okay, yeah, it totally makes sense. Cause we can yeah. get from everybody. Right. That's right. Yeah. Um, you and I can't sit down right here and have coffee. So instead we'll do it over uh, zoom. Yeah, for sure. For yeah. sure. Uh, so first piece of this is always is like uh, stories or everything. Right. So um, for the, like the small percentage of people that don't know who you are already, uh, who's James Fitzgerald in, in a, in a very large nutshell, I'm sure. But, uh, and then um, what is OPEX all about? Yeah, well, I'll try to make each of those brief. Uh, yeah. I think right, answering that question, it's usually easy to kind of look at someone, what they're doing during the day. That kind of mm-hmm. tells people 
uh, with their actions, their daily actions as to who they are, you know, what makes them up. Um, so I have uh, uh, a relationship of, uh, it's actually this year. Yeah, this October, I think, will be 20 years I've been in a relationship. I've been married for 15 of those years uh, to the same wonderful lady. Uh, we have reproduced two beautiful young girls, uh, beautiful souls, uh, 13, 11 years of age. Um, I have a, a really respectable and uh, admirable but challenging uh, job um, of being the founder of OPEX, which is a fitness education company um, that has been established now for 20 years. It looks it looked different for numerous iterations of that 20 years, but we're at a point now where we're really coming up against some of the, I guess, the true hard challenges of trying to make an impact on fitness out there. And that's through trying to download information into coaches' heads to give them the tools that's needed to go out there and fight amongst the craziness, right? Um, and so that that quickly breaks down, I guess, my connection personally into the business, uh, something that was kind of missing in there, which I'll be brief on. But me personally, I had a, a very young athletic background. I identified myself as an athlete, not to a wrong, but then that athletic world was taken away from me. And I really didn't have a, a person that I loved to fall back on. And I discovered fitness as I rehabbed myself when I was 18. Uh, mentally and physically, and then I just fell in love with trying to essentially express it myself and then teach others about it. And I've done that now for, uh, in practice, 25, 26 years, I guess you would call, you know, with my like badge on that says I'm a coach, right? Yeah, yeah. And I'm still doing it today. Um, yeah. And uh, there's a lot that happened between those two po points in time, but that was really, uh, that's really gives you a brief there yeah i appreciate that too and, and you know something you, you kind of joked around in the beginning about like um like how you're trying to like download like your mind into coaches uh and it's funny because um uh, a good friend of mine he kind of calls you the fitness philosopher um and, it, mm. and it's like just because of how you explain and the way you kind of put these frameworks around this like especially for me coming primarily from the crossfit space like trying to understand like how to take something that is so complex and then put it into principle and uh, getting it out to the masses. Um, yeah. And I'm just curious, what do you think about that terminology, like the I, fitness philosopher? Yeah, I, um, I never thought about it that before, but I like it. I, and I think I just like it uh, because of the, I guess, the definition of philosophy is to not, is to not try to find answers, right? The mm -hmm. definition of philosophy is to ask questions such that it, it just arises things that you can pull from it, right? So um, I really like that because um, over time, I guess the journey through philosophizing fitness has made me recognize that actually it depends happens a whole lot more um, the more you learn inside of it. Um, so, um, as you know, in my language, um, I, I I I walk that fine line between saying, you know, these are the que the hard questions you should ask, but then I'm not afraid to say, but these are also the truths that you don't want to turn your back on, you know. Mm -hmm. And so, I guess I would be the the, uh, the authoritarian in some way, yeah. right? And then move into philosophy to just drive thoughts for coaches. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and something that's interesting about that is like, um, 
you also said too, like a little bit before about like, um, like you're fighting this good fight and you guys as a company are like starting to meet challenges and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and still sticking to the whole thought process of like, well, it depends. And it's kind of funny yeah. too, like, uh, clients ask me a question at the gym and usually I'm like, uh, obviously trying to get more context out of it. And then after I get the context and I'm like, well, it kind of depends. And it, you know, they just see this kind of this eye roll. They're like, Oh, you know, because we know like the more we learn about this thing that there's no real absolute answer. Um, whereas there's like tons of people out there who are trying to give absolutes and speaking about fitness in ways that like, you know, I'm kind of pointing a finger at it. I'm like, you know, I don't know that that's exactly true. Um, so for you, like as a company, you guys are meeting all this resistance, like, like yeah. what motivates you, um, you know, compared to everything out there, I yeah. feel like it may be because I'm, you know, I'm in the space and, and I'm listening primarily, but um, I feel like you have the loudest voice that is going against what I would consider to be like less than perfect um, fitness practices. Um, yeah. Like what motivates you to continue to fight that fight? Yeah, um, I think a couple of things, maybe just seeing things done wrong is really it feels like the slap, a slap in the face collectively to human biology. Um, like it, it shows me that fitness is collectively is really forgetting about, you know, the, the, the brain, mind, body makeup. Like it, it just, it, it just says, ah, none of those rules apply to that. I, and I just, that just irks me. Um, secondly, I think, um, I've been in it long enough where I start to see really good people start to resent the profession mm-hmm. um that really hurts me because those are really well-intentioned individuals and humans you know made up of really good things but they get scorned because the system doesn't work for them the system doesn't support it mm-hmm. um so i think that motivates me um also to be really honest too um i believe fundamentally that it's a, it's a ethically a really admirable thing for me to have as a priority. Like for me to wake up and like, feel like I feel like I'm purposeful when I have a mission like that to change the face of that resistance of fitness intention. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I don't want to lie saying that's not, you know, that doesn't, that's not biased from my, you know, previous youth experiences and my injury and like addiction, obsession, discipline of fitness. Like, I'm not going to say that's not there, but um, I think that that's what drives me. Um, and then lastly, I guess like top, top of mind, what comes to mind when I think about that is that <clears throat> I think that uh, not just me, but OPEX, we have a moral responsibility to to keep preaching around asking the question what is right like that's that's our responsibility this everyone who's inside of this building bleeds that now mm-hmm. right and that's why you're probably sensing or feeling whatever we call you know populism or who's out there pushing or whatever we all believe in it right we all believe that it's our duty every day to come in here and to push that narrative right because it's like it's worthy and it just feels right right it feels right so i think that's what really drives my internal motivation and those around me are those things yeah you know i had uh so i had carl on the podcast i don't know probably a month or two ago great conversation uh really smart dude and 
I, so I can, you know, as a leader, like, you know, I have uh, a martial arts business and uh, a fitness business and uh, something I really like keyed in on was like how bought in to the OPEX message he was like, he, he, there was no like, you know, well, James is doing this or James, it was like us, we, our, like, it was a lot of like, yeah. um, like team and, and like very much felt like he was speaking to me as if like he was extremely bought into the OPEX methodology and from like one leader to another like I'm super curious like how did you get people so bought into that message like like that kind of buy-in really takes um it, it just like takes like a, a very special person to get that kind of person to get that kind of buy-in like Russell Brunson calls it like the attractive character right like mm-hmm. um how did you get people so bought in is it just like your passion did people kind of feel that like yeah. what's that secret if there is one yeah um sorry to to break yeah. your heart to people looking yeah. for one but it uh, it's not a secret and it wasn't yeah. that hard and I didn't have to break anyone. So I would question if people have to be broken in or bought in, I would question mm-hmm. an incorrect alignment. Mm-hmm. And then you have to get into psychological manifestations and psycho games to kind of wrap people's behaviors around, right? It's like the Tony Robbins tricks, right? It's like, mm-hmm. uh, I, I won't go deep into that, but and I'm not saying tricks and he does it incorrectly, but he's a master of like making people recognize where that alignment is. Right. Yeah. And he's so powerful doing it. He makes people recognize sitting together that they're in a relationship for 20 years. That's a useless relationship. So <laughs> if you have the balls to do that, you can certainly no. within two minutes incorrectly align people. But my point being is that um, I, I didn't have any manufacturing of that. What I will say is there's this like, there's this thing that you can't, touch or feel maybe that's what russell excuse me what you use the context person who described it but um there's just something about something that's not me or mine that's the opex uh, i guess principles or belief that just attracts people to that belief and then mm-hmm. and, and what we want to do um and i think that's why i continue to say i'm i'm just surrounded and i'm lucky and grateful that i'm surrounded by those people who just came out of I just laugh about it as if they were just like walking through the desert for months and we just landed <laughs> at OPEX HQ. But that's essentially what happened, right? People smelled it and touched it. And then, you know, I'll give you one story of Jim Kroll, who's our current CEO. Yeah. Um, if you just listen to his story, he was like, I was doing this fitness business thing and I started coaching and he started having conversations with me. He looked at our education and he was just like, uh, I want to come and play with that. And then when he got here, he didn't know it, but indirectly he knew that he was going to have the pieces required in place to lead this company and to move it to a new direction, right? So you see the story there. It's like it just attracts people when they know that they can contribute to something that just feels good for them. Yeah, 100%. Makes sense. And Carl's the same way, right? He can look at it and go, you know what? I can wrap my hands in here and create better operations and practices and, and stuff, right? And then as you can see, that all then beautifully works together. We got someone who's the CEO who thinks in a level of systems and design and black and white to put shit in place, right? We got someone who looks at operations as to how all that stuff is going to work effectively. And then we have me just painting the picture, really, as, a, as an artist of what I want for the vision and how I want it to all play out. So I have the trifecta of us three, really, um, sorry to belabor this, but it allows that one brain that that can move something forward because we all have our own characteristics that we can use for that. So to back up, I didn't I didn't buy people into that. Right. They just kind of landed in place. Yeah. yeah, and it's it's so funny. So a couple of things come to mind when you were talking. 
um, one thing you, you, you said reminded me of like, it's always this thought process of like, you're right, this thing isn't mine. Like I'm more the steward, right? Like I'm just here uh, to help direct this thing. Like I don't own this thing, right? Uh, so I love that you said that. And you know, you talked a little bit about like how the team from the outside kind of came into the picture and they saw this thing and they're like, hey, like I can be a part of that, you know, that boat and help row in, mm -hmm. a, in, a, in the correct direction just a little bit faster yeah. or, you know, which is a little bit more power. And I love that. And it's funny because like, you know, from the outside looking in, as like, you know, I came up in the CrossFit space primarily, group fitness gym. Uh, I thought that that was the end all be all, just like a lot of us kind of find our way into it, right? And then some things just kind of didn't line up. And I was seeing these things with clients and I was like, wow, like, um, I don't understand why that thing isn't working the way, you know, this, this brand said it would. And, 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 you know, from the outside looking in, I used to look at OPEX and I was like, like, man, that stuff's a little too complicated for me to even try to decipher. But then this other thing wasn't working really well. So I was like, you know what? Uh, I forget who originally I talked to about like getting into CCP, but uh, she totally sold me. She was like, she's like, you know, you need this thing essentially. And then as I got into it, like immediately I was drawn to these principles so much so to where, you know, now my teams, um, you know, I, I all want us to get on the same page. And, and you're like, you always talk about like questioning bad ideas, right? About how like, hey, that's not right there's these principles over here that definitely say this isn't right. Mm -hmm. um, and you're right. Like I just from the outside looking in through what I, you know, what I call virtual mentoring, I'm also motivated to be like, you know what? Um, like this, there is a better way to do this fitness thing. And it's actually not a one size fits all. Um, and, and like, uh, and it's funny you kind of say those things. Cause I, immediately that came to my mind as you started going through that. Yeah. That, well, that's a hard problem. Yeah. <laughs> you end up having, right. Because right. essentially what I'm saying is that, or what you re recognize is that right. you recognize through your own practices that there was a better way or a more, uh, a more appropriate way, right? Mm -hmm. And then you start to say, well, what are the things that make it the right way? And we just bleed that, right? When we talk about principles, right. which can be confusing to some, or like you saw was like, you know, too complex. But then you start wrapping your hands around, you start recognizing it was only complex because someone constructed a thought as to what it was supposed to be like already in your head. Right. You see that? Yeah. That's what makes it complex. The <laughs> principles are not complex, no. right? It's like you lift more weight, are you stronger? No, then the program's wrong. It's yeah. like, I, I don't know what to tell you, right? Those are principles, right? Or aerobic principles. Start slow, get faster. Can you express it? You can't express it, you didn't progress effectively. That's, that's principle. So the hardest issue with that is actually, and this is why I mentioned by the hard problem, yeah. it's so hard to put this into practice. You mentioned teaching your team about it, whatever. You and I can talk here in Zoom about principles all we want. Correct. But to transition that over to living and to life and true practice is fucking hard, dude. Yeah, yeah. It's hard it, to do. It is and, really hard. And it's, it's hard to be like, you know, um, like what you're doing now, like, it, it, like you're right, it's totally going to get you somewhere. But uh, gosh, can you do it when you're 60? Can you do it when you're 65? What is that going to look like? No, and um, no as I started, dude, as I started getting into the principles of things, um, there was this point to where like, you know, I still offer group fitness, but a big part of my business now is both remote coaching and individual design. And a lot of that is because like, I almost felt neg negligent, like giving things to people. Um, and, and I have this sort of resistance inside of like some of my group fitness stuff now to where it's like, um, I'm doing the best I can to apply principles to a large group of people because not everybody's going to jump on the individual design. It's there as like a bolt on for our, for our business in particular, but 
it's uh, a lot of resistance because it's now it's like, you know, I'm not going to give you that thing that is going to uh, like essentially what like, you know, my story very much resonated with like a Marcus Philly or yeah. uh, these guys are talking about like getting burnt out and spend out. Yeah. Like it happened to me. There's some regional folks that I trained along the way that they're spun out now. The the machine kind of spun them out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now it's like I feel negligent. And, I, and I, you're right. I am meeting that resistance of like, mm-hmm. hey, this thing's really good. It's very principled. And you're going to be able to do this forever instead of, you know, get some great results over the next three months. And then you're spun out and injured. Yeah. There, therein lies, though, what I think is, is really the biggest issue of – and I, I'm being honest when I say this – that. I, I'm not really sure at this point in time, after so many years of experience, it actually is the biggest issue, but this is what I feel is the biggest issue today. In five years, I may say, oh, it's something higher than that. But what got you messed up, what got Marcus messed up, what got a lot of people, you know, into the wrong area, what gets people in a problematic scenario when they just do exercise, you know, unconsciously is incorrect intention of exercise. Right? This this is a language you and I know well, right? Right, But your listeners need to recognize it's about intentions. What intentions means is you got to ask the questions over and over. Why are you doing this? And then when they go, <laughs> oh, I just want to lift better and increase aerobic capacity by around broad time modal domains, you got to ask again, no, why are you really doing this? And then when they go, oh, well, my friends are doing it. Why are you really doing it? I'm, I'm just really not well accepted. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. you got to break it down. Because then if they're like, listen, I'm just afraid to tell you, but I think I'm going to get a little bit more popular if I just participate with others in this group fitness, right? If they're allowed to have the space to say that, then guess what your program is going to look like now, right? It's going to look totally different than what you were initially going to offer them when they were like, I want to increase capacity across time and mixed modal domains. Well, <laughs> you know, it's like, where did that come from? Yeah. So back to my point, because I, I got into that too. I bought it hook, line, and sinker, right? Our intentions were incorrectly aligned. But the reason why I say this is an important point is that people who do really well, right, either through performance or they extend their career out in fitness for a long period of time, have correctly aligned intentions. And I, I appreciate that just as much, i.e., Cody, mm-hmm. someone who's like, listen, I just want to fucking kill people in a workout. I'd rather have you have that as your true intentions, right? I will give you the program to make you a savage, right? We will do whatever it takes to duct tape that. But I'd much rather those intentions as opposed to, I want to get more fit and live long and prosper, yet the dose response is a shit kicking. You see how that is incorrectly aligned? Yeah, yeah. So the intentions are all effed up in, in the fitness business today, which is, which is why, back to your point on the hard point, it's so hard for a younger audience or people that are currently trendy in fitness to connect to how this is going to benefit them for the next 20 or 30 years. Right. And that's always a conversation. It's impossible to have that. They can't even think two or three weeks ahead because they just don't have the brain capacity to do it. Right. And that is, we need to recognize that um, and try to find a nice middle zone to help these people fall in love with uh, movement every day leisure exercise practice recognizing you want to do it more often than just the big high tumultuous builds of intensity and then these big donut recoveries you know that's not fitness right that's not going to serve you long term yeah and a couple things with that too is you know like that what are we doing this for question i use that so much especially with some of my like old school folks who are like 
you know, like, I just feel like the workouts aren't hard anymore. You know, um, you know, I, I feel like I want more. And in my mind, I'm like, great. That means that like things are going the right way. So I always ask like, well, what are we doing this for? And then they kind of like to get more fit and to live a long time. You're right. And I'm like, yeah, like, let's talk about like, how, how's your body feeling? How are you sleeping? Like, you're already stressed. To the, like I got a couple people come to mind, one mainly who's um, like big time business consultant, stressed to the gills all the time. And she's like, all right, you're right. Totally. I'm like, yeah, I bet these things are helping you. And I know they are, but always trying to lead them in that direction. And, you know, recently, uh, one of my, uh, one of our programmers who I'm slowly kind of teaching them to like get on board with some of the principles that I feel uh, OPEX does really well and that we can implement. Um, she wanted to essentially, like, you know, survey like our, you know, our facility and see what people think about the workouts. And, and something that I, I kind of got a little bit of a reservation for that because the main thing was like a lot of people misconstrue like beat downs and high intensity with like good training, right? Yeah. To where it's like, hey, yeah, like I got the, you know, I got the ish kicked out of me. That was a great workout. And then we're like, whereas like, well, you know, I don't know that that's necessarily the case. And it can kind of skew that a little bit. Um, so I, I love how you put all that thing about like, you know, what are we doing this for? Because if we always remember that and like, yeah, you do want to, you know, compete and that's your thing. And that's 100% the reason why. And, you, and it's not like, oh, I kind of want abs too. You know, if that's all aligned, then totally right. Like if you yeah. are aligned with what you're doing it for, we're golden. Yeah. And if you, if you and anyone else solves that problem, then let <laughs> me know, you know, yeah. uh, to how to correctly align people's intentions when they may not have the cognitive capabilities to actually align those intentions, right? Like, I mean, if you're, you're just trying to connect these dots that the market, you like you tell them and you can sit down with them. That's why we devise OPEX gyms so people can have big, long, hard conversations and keep repeating this in an atmosphere. Yeah. Um, but if you're not in an OPEX gym, then when that client leaves and you just spent 60 minutes on correctly aligned in intentions, they get 35 hits that tells them by the time they come back the next time, that they should be doing high intensity keto fit by next week. Like all that is piled on so that like two days later they come back. They're like, I think I need to do a harder intervals or I think, I, you know what I'm saying? It's like, Oh my gosh, we just spent 60 minutes a couple of days ago making you recognize that it's three times a week for the next 12 years is your goal as consistency. Mm -hmm. And now you're like, Oh, you know, all messed up in behavior. So that's a really hard one to solve for intentions of people who can't connect to that long-term, long-term process. Well, uh, just and I think it's because there's, it's the system doesn't support it, right. right? The market, the market thinks fitness is a fix. And then there's no economical supporting system that honors the value of a coach. Those are the two malaligned areas. You have a coach that is treated like a piece of shit comparable to any other profession out there we're on the lowest of the totem pole and we hold honestly the most important tools for human nature which is so fucked up but then over here you have the market who has been sold now through generations that fitness will save your shitty lifestyle think about those two confounding things so what does a coach do who comes in the middle you're going to show off your ass to get market exposure and then sell them unconscious fitness. That's the only way it will work for you as a business structure, right? And now we have a top of the thing that folds on top of that. Now we got a whole marketing system to get these, these coaches leads. That's where all the money is being spent because it's an unconscious system of users. So it's just, it's just a big, it's a big fucking hamster wheel of useless stuff that's going on, right? now. 
there's a small percentage of shit that's being done right. It's not sexy. It's not entertaining. And you, you're in the trenches trying that shit out and making the work, right? But dude, we are a minority in that. Yeah. We are a minority, right? So um, if, even if you're not going to ask the question, how do you fix that? Well, we're working on it because that's a massive undertaking to change the value of the coach and to change the value of intentions of fitness. Yeah. And something, something I heard a long time ago was like education drives compliance, right? So uh, the, a big yeah. component inside of our business now is like, I want all my coaches to educate. I want all my coaches to talk about the whys and the what's mm -hmm. and the hows and right. all these different things because- Because uh, you're educating them on behaviors. Correct. Correct. And, and trying to align them, like you said, this impossible task of like, what are we really doing here? At the mm -hmm. end of the day, like, and I would even argue to some extent to where some of the folks that are competing, um, being I've seen, and you've seen this too, people get spun out eventually, like, and now you're, you're broken and you have like adrenal issues and, and, you know, metabolic, various metabolic issues. And you can't quite turn out of that because mm -hmm. of this thing you did, you know, back here to, you know, compete with 50 other people for a weekend. Um, and, and gosh, man, I was in the haze too. Like, so I, I totally get it. Um, I, I think for, you know, I was kind of, my hand was forced with, you know, a back and hip injury and, and, and one morning, and I've told this story a couple of times on my show to where like, you know, there was a morning I remember, you know, I'm, I'm a dad, I got three boys, I run two businesses, you know, your standard, like five or six hours of sleep per night and trying to train several hours a day. And one morning I literally couldn't put my socks on sitting on the side of my bed. And I was like, what am I doing? Like, this can't continue. Uh, and it's funny how all these things align. And then I find OPEX and I find the education. And then start listening to these people are that are telling the story of what I was experiencing. And now I feel personally accountable, like you said, to also fight that good fight yeah. to the, you know, the, you know, several hundred people that I touch that yeah. they're going to hear this same message because um, there's a, there's a quote out there. It's like, you know, you change a person, you change a family, you change a family, you change a, you know, a city, you change a city, change a state, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, and I, and I, and I think if that were to, like, if we were able to change, what the uh the ecosystem of fitness is right now it's going to start with that little small element of like hey i'm going to get this one person so bought in i mean think about it like you guys have affected me who i've affected several hundred people and if one yeah. of those people affects somebody it's amazing listen i agree i'm listen i'm deep deep i'm deeply uh passionate about making that change but i'm also yeah. realist right and this is why it seems like it's pessimistic but right your ideas do make sense in theory, but the system is not set up to warrant those behavioral change. The system is not set up for it. Because yeah. what you just mentioned, change person, change family, yeah. that takes conversation and it takes time. So what it ends up happening is that in order to scale all that to reach everyone, it turns into the medical system. What happened to doctors over time? They went from these 90 minute consultations of being the healers and the leaders in the communities to now pill pushers of 10 minute consults, right? It's not the doctor's fault. It's the system's fault, right? right? So, but that's, a, that's essentially where, where fitness is moving. So I apologize for sounding like a pessimist on it, but there's no things that are pointing me to having any hope outside of just groups like us and you yeah. of pushing the needle of the spider web. Some, one area that I'd like you another time or for us to get into yeah. <laughs> is, the, is the whole, and this is another fitness philosophy kind of concept, um, is how about the concept of self-responsibility? When that comes into the conversation, then it becomes really uncomfortable because then it, it, it creates this idea on this altruism concept of helping people, right? 
and the work that's required to get it done versus everyone having a certain ideology and believing in this form of self-responsibility. If you go over in this direction, you know what ends up happening? You're still going to have a shit ton of people who never experience fitness, right? Due to oppression, uh, economics, whatever, right? That very mm -hmm. well could be helped by you and I. Remember the spider web concept, right? Yeah. Or do we just go like this? Listen, this is what our belief is. If you were supposed to land in front of me, it was supposed to happen on your own free will, right? With the choices that you made and you being self-responsible to live a larger life and to search out these challenging thoughts through challenging movements, you are landed here. And so now we'll work together. And this is the, this is the area of conversation, which I, you know, maybe we can go into some other time, yeah. is what's, what's your or what people's belief in that? You know what I'm saying? Of self-responsibility. And the reason why this is important is because like you know, you and I don't have the time and the resources to spend trying to save everyone, right? We'll get exhausted in trying to do that, right? To criticize bad ideas, to fight all these things, to help people. It's only so many hours in a day, right? So do we have this whole belief that's like, you know what? If it's gonna, if it's gonna happen for them, they'll find me, right? Because that's, it's, it, it's self-responsibility. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure if you have any thoughts on that as a, as a thought. No, that, that's a, that's a, that's a, I mean, that pretty much encompasses everything. I don't know that I got anything for that. I actually hadn't thought that deeply about it yet. Um, but you're totally right. And, and um, just kind of makes you scratch your head and, and wonder, I often wonder like, am I fighting a battle that I can't win? And I often, I feel like that. And you're totally right. Like the, the uh, there's no light at the end of this tunnel that of trying to correct these bad ideas. And you're right. It, it kind of puts this like pessimistic feeling in your stomach to be like, like, gosh, I'm not going to win. Yeah. Uh, and this but, is what I talk yeah. to coaches about. It yeah. makes them feel a little better. If you really, you really have to define what you call impact. Mm -hmm. You've got to define it like right down to what it actually means. Because a lot of coaches have this perception. I'm going to open three facilities and affect 10,000 people. I'm like, really, really? So what does that look like? And maybe they saw, they see Marcus Philly and maybe they saw his Instagram followers, right? They're like, that's the effect I want to have, right? But you can't be Marcus. <laughs> this is the thing. And I'm not, not this is, I'm just using Marcus as an example, right? Right, right? But the impact he's made is tremendous and the numbers, et cetera, right? Yeah. But not everyone can do that. But imagine if people thought that that's their vision of impact. This is the point I'm making. Most coaches need to be told you will only truly impact 50 to 100 people in your career. Hard stop. Yep. Hard stop. Meaning, right? Think about it. Think about a 25-year personal training career, right? What's defined as a successful one. Not one in which clients leave every six weeks. That's not successful, mm -hmm. right? You're talking about maybe 12 to 15 people that you work with on these six to nine month intervals over and over billing 30 to 40 hours a week. You make more money over time. That's a personal training career. Okay. Let's talk about a group fitness career for a group fitness coach. You can't do more than four classes a day. You'll get burnt. So your value goes up. Maybe you start making 25, 30, 35 bucks a class. If you're lucky after a 15, 20 year career and just play this out with me, right? That's a career in it. And now you're talking about not turning these people over. Now you're talking about individual design. If you average all that out, that's 50 to 100 people that you affected, not 10,000. You see, that's mm -hmm. 20 to 25 years. 
if you've affected 6,000 people, I want to look at your program because you've churned a shit ton of folks. Yeah. Yeah. You it, see it, that? As you're going so through that, I'm instantly If you go back to that, that and think about it, then a coach can go, wow, are you telling me I just need to be laser focused on 50 to 100 names for the next 25 years? Yes. That's what I'm telling you. I mean, just, just put the math together. You have 30 clients paying you 250 bucks a month just for individual design. Right there, that's just a gross of 7,500 a month, right? I haven't even included the gym. Well, you got to pay to the facility, net profit if you're owner, whatever. But just think about that, right? Are you going to lose those clients? Well, I hope you don't, right? If you, do, if you do, if you turn 25 over per year, that's not successful. So back to the point of like, you know, this impact and success. Coaches need to be okay with the fact that their lineup may only be 50 to 100 total humans, right? Unless you have this long-term strategy to do OPEX, right? Or to, meaning like to do what we do, meaning create an education company, affect thousands of coaches, which you essentially indirectly affect millions of people's lives. That's not what I woke up to do. That's essentially what we're doing. But that's not what I woke up to do, but that's my definition of impact. So I think coaches need to kind of think about that. What's my defining point of impact? And then they don't feel super like uh, exhausted around FOMO, right? They're like, oh, if I don't say that I'm going to affect 10,000 people in a couple of years with my ideas that I'm no one. No, that's completely incorrect. I don't know who told you that. Yeah. And that's interesting you say that because I'm going through in my head and kind of unpacking these things. And I'm like, wow, like, you know, the amount of people like success stories versus people that kind of churned out uh, that resonates with like my story, especially. Um, and, and, and you said something in there too, about like, um, like realizing like something that I like, so, so something I love about the OPEX, like the, the beginning of CCP is like figuring out like what you want to be, why you want to be at all these things. Um, I think if more coaches did that, we could have like more real conversations like this about like, Hey, well, like, what are we really trying to do here? And yeah. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Um, and I think it goes back to the principle that we have of what we teach coaches should ask clients. Yeah. Right. Like, You're why right. are you here? What, why are you doing this? And yeah. I'm saying that I think coaching education companies and coaches as a whole should ask one another that, like, why are we doing this? Right. And if you're doing it with all these grandiose fantasy-based goals, you also need to be told that that's incorrect thinking. Right. Because, Cody, a lot of people may be in it for the wrong reasons. Yeah, yeah. And, and I try to tell some of my coaches that too. I'm like, you know, uh, you know unless you hustle your face off, run a gym, um, for a lot of people, like a coaching career isn't just like millionaire type business, you know what I mean? Um, but realizing like, like what you're doing it for becomes a lot more, uh, take some of the, the, some of the zest out of it per se, when you come to this realization that like, yeah, I'm doing this because I actually like when this person's like, Hey coach, I did this because some of the stuff that you wrote on this sheet of paper for me, you know? Yeah. 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 So that. That, million you... dollar one, that's a beauty, right? That's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what was sold in the early, uh, group fitness intense model days. Right. Yeah. Like, oh, that guy is like pulling in 500 grand a year. They got 200 members and they're just crushing it. And then you go and talk to them as like, do you have a life? He's like, no, I get like four hours of sleep. I coach six hours a day. I got to write these blogs, which there was no like front end, you know, marketing system or, you yeah. know, payment system. I'm on a monthly renewal. We have 50% retention. Like it was a complete shit show. Right. And so then what happened in that transition over time, and I'll stop after that because the concept's on my mind, I can't not talk about it. <laughs> like, oh, we'll just get 
people to get up in front of class. That'll take all my class times away, right? Then they were like, oh, no coaching six hours a day. I'll just sit back and watch this thing work, right? And because it was a safe system, those people were successful. Then over time, they either sold or they got out of it. And if you tried to do that from 2011 onwards, you died. Yeah. And, and like something that I've done in my business this past year is like adding some of the principles and, and kind of switching my view on like, uh, <laughs> you actually, you said something like, I don't know, probably a year or two ago on a podcast about like, uh, like, unless you're a gym owner, you're the only one that's making any sort of living. And I took that as like a personal challenge to be like, watch this, I'm going to model my business to where my coaches can create careers inside of it. Um, and, and I'm going in the right direction. But you're right, like, you start to realize like, hey, this you know, there's, there's so much more to this thing of fitness other than, you know, coaching this hour class. That's not a very uh, illustrious career per se. Yeah. Um, but, you know, applying some of these principles inside of it, I feel like maybe I'm going in the right direction. Um, and there are, there are some coaches that are doing well for themselves. And then um, uh, I would say probably feeling empowered now to be like, hey, like, hey, like, I don't just coach this hour and see these 20 people and then see another 20 people the next day. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I had these touch points with my clients. I communicate with them. Uh, we've implemented things like True Coach. Um, and it's been very great to be like, uh, and, and with all of this evolution, I'm watching these group fitness facilities around me close, whereas we keep growing. Um, and, and, and I would say it's all based off of, you know, evolution and realizing that some of these things really aren't true and that there are better methods to use. Um, so for you, like, was there any one like point of time where you decided to go like, okay, I'm, you know, James, the, the coach, you know, I watched every second counts when you had, you know, people and it looked like a outback garage space or something like that or um at what point did you say like hey it's not enough for me to just coach uh or maybe that's not even phrased right hey there's more to just coaching i want to coach coaches like was there a like a certain event or period of time when you're like hey i'm going to switch from james the coach all the time to james i'm going to coach coaches yeah um well, first, the, uh, the garage concept or the what you see in an OPEX gym today, mm -hmm. that's essentially what it always has been, individual design in a small space. Okay. okay. Um, secondly, I think just over time, let's say it was 15 years into my career um, of coaching in the, the 2000s, where, you know, it just, uh, the system was running. I was a craftsperson in the job, you know, um, doing competition CrossFit as a sport, doing individual design owned two cross or part co-owned two CrossFit gyms, um, had a personal training design facility in a corporate model, had a personal training design facility in a rehab model, had my own personal training system, did consulting. I did everything, right? So people see me operating that way, me and my resources of coaches and, and system. And they're like, why are you successful? Why are you on these business board meetings in the local area? How is a trainer making that much money? You know, how do you develop a lifestyle of this? Why are you happy? Why do I, you're fulfilled? <laughs> so people ask more and more questions. I was like, this is fucking coaching profession. This is fucking fitness coaching, right? What you see here and what I'm doing, this is my full-time job. This is what I do, right? This is the suit that I put on. And so more and more just started to ask those questions based upon these obvious things that were just happening. So that's what actually birthed the CCP and education to other coaches was this nonstop questioning, which, was, which is always, as you know, if you don't know it is, an assessment of what needs to happen within the market. When people are constantly asking questions, what's the next thing, how do we do this, how do you, how do you grow it, why is this successful, blah, blah, blah. 
I sat back and looked at all those questions for a number of years and said, if I was to put together something to coach other coaches, what would it look like? And that's what you get in CCP. And that was around the late 2007, 2008, 2009. I sat down, had lots of time to put together answering all those questions. What do I think makes up a really good fitness coach? What's the shit that they need to get experience with and downloaded so they can leave that concept of what I'm proposing and then go out there and like do really well. And that's how we created the first iteration of CCP and what got us a, a good 10 year run now with it and coaching over 3000 people inside of our program. And you know what I, what I love about that and, and how I interpret like what, you know, CCP is and what those principles are is like, you know, it, it so people always ask me like, you know, like coach, what's our style? Like, what do we, like, what is that thing that we do? Is it bodybuilding? Is it CrossFit? Is it this? Is it that? And I'm like, you know, we give training. It's a, it encompasses all things. Like, you know, if you're a person that does want body composition, yeah, you're going to do, you know, higher contraction rates and, and you know, you're going to get more time under tension and you're going to do things that are geared towards that. But uh, fitness coach is encompassing what I think we do and we give training um, mm-hmm. and not necessarily like sticking to one, any particular modality. So I loved how you framed that. Um, because for a lot of a lot of us CrossFit coaches found our way into like what what is out there, um, but it was because I think we had this this tool and this method only, and we didn't have any other uh, resources or any other methodologies or things to put in our toolbox per se. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. James, so who was what are yeah, totally? What are some? Um, what would you say was like? Like who had the biggest influence in, on you? throughout your coaching career, like somebody where you were like, Hey, I like what this person's doing and I want to use them as a model for myself. Yeah. Um, it's for those who know me well or know our background CCP, it was actually a client. It was, uh, who turned into a mentor. Um, his name was Bernie Nowakowski. Um, he was our initial instructor, um, in the life coaching, uh, course that we had for CCP. Um, or I co-taught it with him. Mm-hmm. And uh, he offered uh, to me uh, these concepts of higher order thinking. Um, and he just basically challenged my thought. And he was a client that was referred to me from a client that I got in 1999, uh, Len Jaskula. Um, and then a year later, he was like, the way that you think and how you operate business, you got to talk to Bernie because he knew Bernie was a master and a sage in these areas. And so that's a person that's highly influenced me. And the reason why for anyone who's interested is just a listener. Um, the ironic reason why he had such an impact because it, he was not in fitness. Is, is he, he the one so much about principles and systematics and that he made me recognize that there's a framework and a reason for all of these systems of emotional systems, cognitive systems, political systems, everything that if you look really hard, you can see how all these systems work together in order based upon physical principles, right? Mm-hmm. And when I recognized that, which I didn't recognize for years and years afterwards, but when I kind of like would scrape away all these things, it would just, it, things would just make sense to me. I'm like, oh, that's why that happened. Oh, that's why that happened. Oh, that's why that happened. So it was him that kind of embedded that in my head to understand these principles of uh, systematic thinking. Yeah. And you know, the, the, you know, frameworks and and principles, and we talked a great deal about that. Mm -hmm. Um, I found that for me, like for teaching things, for speaking on things, just having these frameworks of like, like, here's that thing that I'm pulling from. And if I can, you know, 
give you this frame of like encompassing thing, it's much easier for me to talk about it and then hopefully for you to understand it. And I've had a lot of success with that. So that makes complete sense 100%. Uh, so we're kind of running out of time. So I'm trying to get in some of the questions that I really wanted to ask you. Yeah. Um, Be shorter than on the answers. Yeah, yeah. So no, you're good. I, the, I think the context of all the answers is great. Um, what were some of the biggest lessons that you've gotten through your coaching career? Like whether it be like a, you know, a negative and no positive or whatever. Um, yeah. th those types of questions are where I kind of really pull from. And I think my listeners will as well. Yeah. Uh, a couple of biggest lessons that you've gotten. Yeah, I think the biggest one was uh, always keep asking if you really know what you think you know. Um, because I'll just give as an N equals one doesn't mean it's the case for everyone, but I'm 25 plus years in. And I still am not super sure around if what I know is true. So I'm still questioning if I know what I know. Um, and I would ask coaches to learn that or use it as a mantra of saying, do you know what you know? Or do you think you know what you know? And you eventually want to move to the point where you, you do know what you know. And you do know what you don't know. And if, if anyone didn't follow that, you could, you could go back on the video <laughs> or the podcast. There's people right now hitting 15 seconds back, 15 seconds yes, back. Yes. Yeah. Double 15 seconds back and just listen to that again. No, but you, you got to really keep asking that, right? Yeah. It's like you, you may think you know something and you know it to be true, right? And then I'm just telling you that with experience over time, keep questioning that because it allows you to upgrade. It allows you to be humble, empathetic, understand people better, understand different different lives and different purposes and intentions. Um, and don't worry, it won't lead you nihilistic to having saying there's no answers to anything. It will just make your answers more refined over time. Yeah. And I, and I love that because uh, I've actually heard you talk about that before. I'm pretty sure I wrote it down in a journal. Um, and I, and I'm, and I'm laughing because I was the double 15 seconds back guy. Uh, but that makes total sense. And, and I was explaining this actually to my team member one day and I was like, look, like, you know, when we first come into this fitness thing, we think we've got it. Uh, too related to fitness. We think we have that all figured out, right? And as you learn more, and you're like, oh shoot, I totally was wrong about this, yeah. this, and this. And yeah. then you learn a bit, a little bit more, and you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know anything. Um, yeah. What is it? Uh, conscience incompetence or something like that. Uh, so you you get to there, and you're like, wow, um, I do know this little bit of this these things over here, but there's all this other stuff that I haven't quite yeah. figured out yet. Uh, and <laughs> that's super funny that you reminded me of that. Um, another question to kind of push forward a little bit. Um, and I actually messaged you about this on Instagram one time is like, um, so a, a lot of my listeners are coaches, um, gym owners, things like that. And like super busy, you know, taking care of clients, all these different things. Um, how do you find time to train? Is it something like you've got a non-negotiable James special time? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That yeah. comes before everything, everything yeah. I mentioned previous to priorities. If you don't know my story, I mean, that's, that gets in the way of everything. I would have, I would have shut down this podcast if I didn't get yeah. it. <laughs> I gotta go. We're done here. Yeah, that's uh, right. Yeah. So, uh, one last question before I let you run off of here. Um, well, uh, well, two more here actually. Um, where do you go to grow and expand? Like, what are some resources that you kind of plug into to fill up your mind? One who's kind of blazing a trail for you know a lot of this fitness stuff. I'm, I'm sure it's hard to find a place to go and grow and learn. Mm -hmm. um, what does that look like for you? Yeah. No. It's a uh... It's actually not in a fitness realm. I think oh, I'm, doing a lot of, I'm doing a lot of reading um, and I'm doing a lot of podcast listening. And they're really just in uh, uh, really hard areas of conversation and debate and thought because I'm able to look inside of all those hard questions that people are trying to answer 
um, in politics and religion and um, biological evolution, et cetera. And just by being in there, it allows me to observe how to figure out the hard questions and the answers to all those hard questions. And then I just bring that back to fitness and what I do day to day. And it allows me to continue to strive to learn to be a better human, a better coach, better father, a better husband, etc. So I now am at a point which I don't know if it's due to my biological age. There's not a lot of me's around that are like me that I can befriend or I can like go in arm in arm with, right? There's just not a lot of me's around. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that is one limiting factor. <laughs> like there's not a lot that have stood the test of time or stuck it out for so many years or actually are in a position of a, you know, a leader of an education company and are educating people, right? Um, so I have to go outside the fitness landscape to look at what would be leaders in thought of a whole bunch of different areas and then bring that back in. And so I'll just be generalized in that. There's no particular person, but all those people that are out there asking the hard questions, I'm listening to them and ask, you know, seeing what they're asking, et cetera. Um, and I think that's what I uh, continue to, to strive towards, you know, right now. And then I just try to do the basics really well. Like I try to coach every day for a couple hours on the floor uh, with one, two, three people, you know, whoever's there. Um, and I still try to refine those pieces. So that allows me to learn. Um, and I think I'm just a curious person overall that I hope never leaves me. So that consistently asks me to, to continue to strive. And lastly, most important, my students are my mentors now. And I only can say that as an example, if people don't understand it, is that the more you teach over time, your students make you learn by how your trying to spread that good news to them so my students right now are are my mentors Mm -hmm. and i'm surrounded by a lot of great students who are asking great questions which is forcing me to learn right so see how that's indirectly how i'm yeah i 100 agree with all that but the big thing that i get from it is like um and i actually say this to myself every day is like stay curious always stay um white belt mentality right like always looking for new ideas always looking to grow um and, and as far as like fitness education um i still have a, play, uh, a bunch of places to go at, you know i'm a junior coach still still coming up but there uh i love to go outside of the fitness space too and to get ideas yeah. because it i i find that it helps me to look it gives me just a different lens to look at what we're doing through yeah. um and that's and i think it's a, a very powerful quality that um any coach who is going to survive or to continue to fight the good fight per se um has to be uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It has to be very um, open and and use different lenses versus just staying into this one way the whole time. Yep. Um, so James, some of my like my my parting questions aren't anything fancy, like you're on an airplane with two people, yada yada yada. Um, but I, what really resonates with me is like um, mentors and, and talking to people and what conversations can bring. And uh, my my parting question every time is, um, what is some of the best advice? That you've ever gotten from somebody whether it be a mentor or something you read and you really took to heart like um was there any one piece of advice to where you're like that thing is gonna you know really move the needle for me uh i think i i heard of uh sam harris who's a atheist philosopher speak and neurocognitive science guy speak about this a long time ago but the concept of free will being an illusion 
um, that is a term and a thought and a concept that uh, depending upon what your beliefs are to my point, it really doesn't matter, but that concept really is a, is a beacon for me to continue to strive to try to find the answer to. Um, And so that's what I would, that's where I would go immediately. It was someone that's had an impact on a comment or a statement that really shook my world up. Not for, not for reasons of belief or anything, but it it does make you ask some of the really, really uh, hard questions, which I think is, is a great, it's challenging for people. Yeah. Awesome. I appreciate you sharing that. Um, so James, great conversation, man. I, I'm going to respect your time here. I'm, I'm sure this could have gone a lot longer. Yeah. Um, well, maybe we'll do another time. Yeah, for sure. Uh, go ahead and plug yourself. Where can people find you? Where can, you know, my listeners go to get more information about OPEX and, and you? Yeah. OPEXfit.com. That's pretty simple. O-P-E-X-F-I-T.com. And, uh, once you get in the system there, we'll stay with you for a long period of time. So sign up for all our, uh, newsletters and free shit um and and it's it's lots of great information and if you never get in front of me as a coach that's great too but at least we'll start spreading the good news of you know what are good principles and how to do fitness there's a lot of free shit there you can take good principles um and then on uh, instagram it's uh and twitter j fits opex on twitter i just post all my podcasts that i listen to that's just a way for me to kind of keep track of what i listen to i'm not i'm not in the twitter verse having conversations um but on instagram i just kind of post stuff that I'm up to daily with exercise and education. Cool. All right. Well, James, like I said, I appreciate your time today. I'm sure my listeners got tons of information. The uh, reverse button's probably been hit 30 times already. So uh, like I said, I appreciate your time today. Okay, good. Thanks for having me. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the show today. I know that your time is valuable and I appreciate every minute that you spent with me. If you're new to the show, make sure to hit that subscribe button and to give us a rating and review. This is how we grow the show and make it even more impactful to people that listen to it. Also, don't forget to follow me on Instagram where I post daily motivational content, free training, and nutritional information daily. Lastly, if you've been listening to the show for a while and you're thinking about working with me and my team, go ahead and email me at cody at virtuousfit.com and I'll see you on the next episode.